On Sunday, we began our series on the book of Romans as Pastor Josh preached from Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. On the podcast today, we're talking about the significance of Romans to our walk as followers of Jesus. And we begin to tackle some deep questions, such as, is it possible to be saved but not actually be following Jesus? What should we think when we've had seasons of obedience to Christ, but also seasons when we haven't been submitted to Him? And what does it even mean to follow Jesus in this day and time? I think you'll find today's conversation challenging and helpful. Thanks for joining us. This is After the Message. Hey guys, good morning. Good, good morning. to see you this morning. 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 How are you? Good morning. It's great to be seeing you. How am I? I am doing well, thank you. Good. I'm yeah. glad. Yeah, I'm here. This will go better if you're doing well. Yeah, well, I've, I've, had, I've had a few cups of coffee already, so um, I'm feeling well caffeinated and, and you know, I'm, it's good. It's good. Good. I've, well, had a, I've had a cup of coffee. I'm not really feeling Just it. one? Yeah, I'm not feeling it this morning. Y'all All have day? to carry it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to know. So we're going to toss a lot of questions your way, man. Yeah, to wake uh, you up. Yeah. Neil's back. We're so yep. glad you're back. You yeah, weren't here man. this weekend. Where were you? No, we were in... Change uh, of the world. Yeah, New Orleans. Nola. New Orleans. Um, yeah, Mark's mission team has set up, man, great opportunities for our church family. And so we had... That was a shameless plug. Thank you, Neil. Yeah, you are. <laughs> And he doesn't that. feel it. If you could see his face, you would tell yeah, him. Just saying. It's he on a script. Like it's a script. He kind of rolled his eyes a little bit. When he Mark said. gave me a handwritten note that says, please say this. <laughs> uh, no, we took, man, several families of young, like preschoolers and young mm-hmm. elementary, and we went to spend time uh, with a church planter who we have a relationship with, Andrew Hanna, at Harvest Church in New Orleans. And uh, the church is about maybe a year old. Um Give or take, they were launched out of another yeah. church, Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so watching our parents lead their children in uh, service for that community alongside the church members and mm-hmm. then uh, do some fun stuff with mm-hmm. kids in the neighborhood and then spend the morning with them in worship. It was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It seemed like you had a lot of kids on that trip with you. We had... <laughs> it felt like it. Was a, it was great. But I, I think th- we had seven families mm-hmm. and five of those had young preschoolers. Mm-hmm. And elementary, that's it was awesome. it was amazing. That's good. We we don't do that often, um, partly because that's that's a big task for parents. But and I would think most of, many trips probably don't lend themselves. That, to kids. That's right. Yeah. And true. so it was it was because this yeah. you know this church planner kind of opened the door and, and allowed us a window to do it. Man, it was good. Just mm-hmm. to, cool to see dad saying, and they all said it. Hey, Mark, we 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 need something mm-hmm. that we can take our kids on and get them exposed early. That's yeah, good. highlights for me were spending time with uh, the Andrew and his wife Mary Margaret and their son James. Equally cool was moments where, like for me personally, sitting on concrete pulling weeds, but having one of the children sitting next to me yeah. and mm-hmm. just having conversations that I wouldn't normally yeah. have on a Sunday mm-hmm. morning. Yeah, but it's unrushed, and one of the children saying, "So, so why are we here?" <laughs> and being able to talk Why through, are we pulling this crap? Yeah, yeah, like an age-appropriate response to yeah. the Great Commission and mission, That's but awesome. also then why Andrew and who he is in our in our lives. Um, mm. Man, I, it, those were great conversations. Um, watching parents lead their children to serve in really meaningful, mm-hmm. you know, hard. That's hard yeah. for a mm-hmm. yeah. seven, eight-year-old to yep. spend your day doing those things. No doubt. Um Super mm. impressed with our parents. So I That's hope great. I hope while you were in New Orleans, you at least ate some good food. We did eat plenty of good <laughs> food. Really good gumbo, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, seafood po' boys, 
Uh, it was not a trip to lose weight on. I will tell you, <laughs> it was not that trip. No, you don't go to New Orleans to lose weight. Do you been yes? I actually did not. But plug to one of our church members, James McGee. He turned ten oh, boy, while he was on the trip, and his birthday party included breakfast beignets and a full band. All at Cafe du Monde. Oh, yes. wow. His parents really rigged that one up nicely. Like, <laughs> so I go to, to the one in the French Quarter, or do yeah. I go to one City Park? What'd uh, you do? Yeah, uh, French Quarter. Okay. Mm. Cafe Ole. <laughs> Cafe Ole. Cafe Ole. I do love. He don't know what Cafe Ole is. <laughs> Sad day, Neil. He just said it like it was a phrase. He's never enjoyed. There was that a nectar. restaurant in Texas called Cafe Ole. What are you talking about? Mm. It's coffee. No, milk. no. Hold on. That's <laughs> Casa. That's Casa. <laughs> <laughs> so like that. Well. Oh, so, uh, <laughs> moving on, um, we, uh, yeah, so we started our, our Roman series this week and, um, uh, the first of many weeks that we will be in that yeah. book and, uh, really just dealt with the first seven verses of the first chapter of Romans, which so incidentally like one, is like one, one massive sentence. One thirtieth of the way there, is that what that's we are? It, we're yeah. one thirtieth, that's exactly right. <laughs> and and I, I didn't realize until, you know, like the other day that, that like, the first seven verses, it was like one just long run-on sentence. It um, is. So. Well, a lot of Paul's writing is <laughs> he has a, a run-on sentence. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> Funny, I'm we like ma- his writing, but at school, they never liked my run-on know. sentences. <laughs> yeah. okay. Hey, it worked for Paul. I mean, that's right. I'm resisting the urge to make a joke about Neil's sentences. Uh, <laughs> So one of the things that we talked about... Well, you um, see, you're waking up, actually, right now. <laughs> <laughs> it just came yeah, to me. Coffee's all kicking of, in. All of a sudden, that coffee's kicking in. Uh, you know, I, I, loved the, I loved the setup that you, you made last week on, on the podcast, Josh, just as you were talking about this series and uh, talking about, you know, two different groups of people, the, mm-hmm. the, um, these Jews and these Gentiles who were, um, you know, Paul's writing to and, and trying to unify them around this, this common... Uh, message. Hmm. Um, and I, I love that as we strive uh, as a church to be a united family of faith. Um, I just I have a great anticipation, you mm-hmm. know, for this series and the way that, that it's going to uh, to unify us. And we had a lot of conversation about that in our life group. and um, But it's going to raise some, probably some hard questions mm-hmm. for people. I mean, because, uh, you know, Roman's not a, it's not a shallow book. I mean, there's there's a lot in it. And it's a lot of doctrine yeah. in this book, which is great, I think. And it gives, um, I think, life to some of the terms we use because mm-hmm. we're Christians and we hear it a mm-hmm. lot. And we say terms like gospel and disciple and apostle. And and we're actually going to get some understanding of what these terms mean and, mm-hmm. and, and how we are to respond in light of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, uh, so... so you um, you mentioned, uh, I mean, Paul refers to himself as a, an apostle here, and you spent some time in your message yesterday just kind of talking about that. Um, I missed it personally because I was uh, I was wrapping up something before I came out to join the <laughs> message, so I missed that. But it was being talked about in our life group uh, as well, um, just uh, how, how Paul referred to himself as, as an apostle, and you mm-hmm. spent some time kind of defining what that is, Right. Yeah, and, and I think the, the issue with a lot of the early church, and probably even still today and all the time in between those two spots in history, is uh, there were three criteria to be an apostle. Uh, one is you, you had to walk with Jesus in his earthly ministry as one of his disciples. Uh, you had to physically be there and witness the resurrection. So like when he came back on earth for those 40 days, he would have appeared to you, and, and that would have been a part of that. But then the most important would be the, the particular call on the life to say, 
Paul, I, I'm calling you out to go be an apostle. Um, but to understand that in Acts chapter, uh, whenever we look at Acts chapter 1, verses 20 through 26, where we get that criteria, the thought would be like he would physically give us that or he would tell us that and we would see him and have that interaction. The issue with Paul is he didn't really have any of those three, particularly the first two, he didn't. He didn't walk with the Lord. Um, he was around on the same time. Didn't, didn't walk with the Lord and also didn't witness the resurrection, mm -hmm. at least that we know of. Um, but the argument would be, and the most important part would be the call. Well, he definitely he received called. that call mm -hmm. on the road to Damascus, right? Mm -hmm. So, so that that's the big deal. And why that is so important is because as an apostle, when they spoke, they spoke the words as of God, not like an, not like a prophet of the Old Testament that would say, "This is what the Lord has said." But when Paul is teaching, it would in effect be the teachings of the Lord, mm -hmm. the teachings of Christ, the teachings of the Father, and so they carried weight. That's going to be really important as you journey through this this letter, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because he's going to say some things, and your response might be, "Who is this guy? Why mm -hmm. does he get to say these things?" And and well, he's only saying that because he was in that culture. Well, if you believe that the Father is giving him these insights and giving him this, then it goes beyond time and space. Mm -hmm. That is for all believers at all times and all yeah. places. Apostleship matters, and that's why he starts the letter in that way. Mm -hmm. um, now, a question I think that follows that, and and. I didn't get this question yesterday, but I assume it's coming at some point. Do we still have apostles today? Mm. Like, because you you may travel around and, and maybe different ecumenical backgrounds, different church backgrounds, and their pastor may call himself an apostle, like mm -hmm. apostle so-and-so or apostle this. Um, so can can you still be an apostle today? I, I, I would argue that you can't. I, I would argue that. Yeah, there based no, on your definition, I don't there, think. There are no more apostles if this is the criteria. Right. Now, I do think you could get into some apostolic ministry uh, in the sense of apostolic preaching and teaching the word of God over God's people because that would be different than the disciple. The mm -hmm. disciple is a learner. The disciple is a follower. But the apostle was was more of, of the teacher. Mm -hmm. um, really important, again, why when Pentecost happens and... We get to the end of Acts chapter 2. What did they devote themselves to? The very first thing was the apostles' teachings, teachings mm -hmm. because the apostles' teachings were the teachings of God. Mm. Um, and that's why these, that word is so important. That's why Paul starts the very first line, I am an apostle. Mm -hmm. But he kind of made a comment before that, said he was a bondservant, which mm -hmm. would be different mm -hmm. um, because I think that he could have said anything. He could have said, I am the most well-versed theologian that this world knows right now, because he might have been. Yeah. Because he grew up as a Pharisee. He grew up under some incredible teaching. Mm -hmm. He knew his stuff. He could have came out the gate of, man, I, I saw the, the Lord came to me in a vision. The Lord chose me. I'm special. But his opening line was, I, Paul, a servant, bondservant, or probably even better, a slave of our Lord Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. an apostle. So just those two criteria, being a slave, being a bondservant, and being an apostle is kind of a that's a stage setter mm -hmm. for the rest of this letter. It's a mm -hmm. big deal. Mm -hmm. So going back to the question, do you guys think that there are apostles today? No. No. Mm -hmm. No, but it did bring up the question, could someone, because, because of Paul's situation where the Lord came to him later, mm -hmm. could someone claim today, well, the Lord came to me. He came to me in a special way. He came to me in a vision or whatever, right. and therefore I meet the same criteria that Paul met, and I should be an apostle. I would certainly think that the people who call themselves an apostle would say that. That would be their response. Mm -hmm. And probably for a minister. 
uh, if, if looking at us a- across this room and in our church and maybe even across our denomination, because we ask, if you're interviewing a pastor, one of the first questions is, hey, what's your call to ministry? Mm-hmm. And effectively, we're, we're using the same terminology. Mm-hmm. When did the Lord specifically say, Josh, I want you to be a pastor? And, you know, I've never heard the Lord audibly speak to me. Mm-hmm. So I can't say, well, you know, I was on the road to, to New Palestine when I was 18 years old and the Lord spoke to me, uh, you know, on, on uh, 1322 Palestine Road. Mm-hmm. I can't say that, but I do believe that through time, through the word, through encouragement, through affirmations, that's how the Lord calls us. But mm-hmm. uh, to your point, I, I do think there would be people who would say, no, I've experienced a call. Yeah. And he told me to teach. Therefore, I'm an, an apostle. apostle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so I know, uh, I know I, I, I'm just anticipating the kinds of conversations we're going to get to have over the next 30 <laughs> weeks uh, on this podcast, but um, I, I think there were some really good ones that, that came up even as a result of yesterday. And uh, so we're just maybe going to take some time to walk through these. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but so, so one of those being, uh, can you be a Christian but not a disciple. That's a great question. So can you can you be saved but not be a follower? Is is I guess how I would interpret that question. Mm-hmm. Who's jumping? You do it. I, I don't understand how in the way we understand uh what a disciple is. Um a disciple is someone who's chosen to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um it's not uh, a, a Christian, someone who is um, who is saved, is saved because they've made um, a choice, like you mentioned yesterday, to respond to the call on our life, hmm. to place our faith in him and follow him. And I, I don't think you can separate that from this idea of what a disciple is. A disciple was a follower of a teacher. And... That's what we do when we come to, to faith in Christ. Um, it, it's beyond just, I'm faithing you to forgive me of my sins. No, I'm faithing you in all things. I'm giving you my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's what it means to be a believer. That's what it means yeah. to be a disciple. Mm-hmm. I'm faithing you to, to be who you say you are. Mm-hmm. If, right. if, if the declaration is you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, right. I'm faith in that. Mm-hmm. And salvation is just a byproduct. Mm-hmm. Right, so redemption is just a byproduct. I think that goes back to the issue of this. This gets away from your question. I'm sorry, but I think it's important. I'll to, bring us back. To, yeah, to discuss: <laughs> um, Do we come to Christ to get the things of Christ, or do we come to Christ to get Christ? Mm-hmm. Right. So, so do we come to Him to get saved mm-hmm. because we don't want to go to hell, or do we come to Him because He's the King, mm-hmm. and we see Him for who He truly is, and we say, "Here you are." And so, Francis Chan That's asked great. a question early on in his ministry, and, and it always stuck with me. And I, don't, I don't think this is the biblical choice, right? I don't think it's there, but I, I do think it's, it's worth pondering in your heart. If you still got hell, would you still follow Christ if he's the king, mm. right? Mm. And so, so if, if you take away probably the, the biggest tangible gift that, we, that we're after in, in our relationship, if, if, if at the end of the day we got, and, and I think the way that he put it, at the end of the day, if we still got what we deserved, would you still follow him because he's good and he's the king? Because I think that tells us a lot about why we came to him in the first place. Mm-hmm. 
so did we come to him because he has the best package of, of deliverance, right? So, so he's the one who absolves us from sin, who gives us forever and eternity with, with our family and we love them. Or did we come to him because he's the king? And I think, I think that's a, a really big mm-hmm. point of delineation between how we view salvation. To the point, Mark, I think if we view coming to Christ as getting out of, out of hell and getting into heaven then, then we're, we believe that we can just be saved. Mm-hmm. But if we view him as the king and he has a kingdom message to proclaim, then we come and the only right response is discipleship mm-hmm. because we know what we know about him, but we want to know more. So we're a learner and then we know who he is. He's the king. So wherever he says, we go. Wherever he goes, we go. So we're a follower. I think the only right response is discipleship because that is proving that we've come to him because he's the king. Mm-hmm. And what we get is just byproduct, a beautiful, wonderful byproduct. Right. But the fact that we've come to him is, is he's the king of glory, not because we get salvation. Yeah. Mm. Which when you think about his call originally to his disciples, they didn't really That's know right. all they were getting, right? They, they didn't have they, a there, view. There was a, there was a <laughs> no. moment where they had to choose to follow him without having the big picture of what all they would or wouldn't get. That's you right. Know? And so I think back to the original question, the call is to follow him. When we follow him, we call ourselves Christians, but we don't, we don't become a Christian just to be a Christian, mm-hmm. and then get to choose whether or not we follow him. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I do think there's probably some people scratching their head right now going, but I, I did follow him. I felt the call. I felt, I felt uh, him invite me into this, and I responded, and I followed for a while. But now there's been this other while where I don't really think I have followed. Mm-hmm. So what does that make me? Did I... Did I lose my discipleship? Am I still a Christian, but I lost, I'm, I'm just not a good disciple? Yeah. Where do I fit on that? <laughs> Anybody want to take a stab at that? Because I, I have a response, but I don't want to talk the whole time. I stab I, first, so. Yeah, I'll go. <laughs> so, I, no, I don't, I think it just indicates that we have had a season where we did not submit to the mm-hmm, teacher as exactly. a learner. Mm-hmm. And it, at some point it gets highlighted, and our response is one of, mm-hmm. of repentance, confession, and then putting ourselves in a posture where we begin to learn again yeah. rather than learning from ourselves and our culture and our surrounding, we learn from Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that for me, the Christian life as Jesus's disciple is constantly being recalibrated back towards him rather than self, that sanctification process mm-hmm. of um, denying myself, picking mm-hmm. my cross. Mm-hmm. I think for seasons we, we put the cross down and engage self rather than denying self. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, for me, that's what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. As I think that your, your question, kind of hypothetical, but, yeah. but in real life, mm-hmm. um, as I think to my life, because I've had seasons of, the old, the old term is backsliding. Right. The old backsliding. Um, <laughs> recommit. Uh, yeah, yeah. Are you coming to a, a re- recommit your life to the Lord? Rededication. Rededication. That was even I like a check mark on the, yep. uh, like on the thing. Yep. How many rededicated today? Yep. Oh, man. That's Are you supposed to get be baptized again after you rededicate? Well, that was the what church question. you came from. Yeah, that's that's right. exactly right. <laughs> but for me, when I put myself in that situation, and, and I had this conversation with some folks yesterday, and if I'm honest, and I, and I should be, and, and, and all of us are, I don't think we ever just like naturally um, just wake up one day and we think, oh, man, I don't. I don't have affection for the Lord today. Mm-hmm. I don't have affection for his word. I don't, I, you know, it's, it's yeah. not just like we woke up and it's there. 
it's probably a proof that number one, we're not under the teaching of the word right. like we should be, but, but maybe, maybe we are, maybe we go to church every week, maybe we're there. But I think the biggest detail, and this is an importance of, of the Christian life is I probably haven't been around the people who are going to hold me accountable mm-hmm. or at least allowed them to ask the questions or been, been truthful with my answers when they did ask the questions. And so in many ways, when I when look back at my life and, and you're describing a scenario, mm-hmm. I've lived that a, a couple of cycles mm-hmm. and it, it felt like that's when I tried to do life alone right. or tried to do life like I wanted. Mm-hmm. And both of those led me to that place. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't because the Lord had turned his back on me. He never did. Right. Um, but it was, it was more so because I postured myself outside of, of God's design for, for church because I believe in, in the same way God designed us for himself, he designed us for a community of people yeah. of himself. Yeah. And if we're, we're outside the scope of that creation, uh-huh. then we're going to get in a bad spot pretty quickly. Well, let me, let me keep pushing on that. I think that's right. But I would go even deeper underneath that and say, why did you isolate? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, why did you push outside yeah. or shut yourself off from other people? Yeah, maybe it's busy or maybe you just got lazy. But I think at the deepest level, it's because you didn't trust our faith in him as the Christ. Mm-hmm. It, you didn't see him for who he truly was. Right. Right. And so and I think when, when I find myself or we in those seasons right mm-hmm. there, all right, that this the yeah. person that you're hypothetically speaking of, I, I would say their response is needs to be go back and make see him for who he is. Mm-hmm. He he is the Christ. He is the King. He is the Master, um, and he is the one that we put our faith in. So when you isolate or you um, rebel, turn your back on him, whatever you want to call it, I think it's an indicator of you don't have you you don't believe really mm-hmm. that he is who he said he is. Right. That's right. Right. And so it, to me, it's. Yes, you're isolated, but you're isolated because yeah, the reason you didn't really trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You thought yeah. you could find it better on yourself. Yeah, and that that is my answer, and that is rebellion. Um, uh, you know, and and sometimes we get church set up because we'll say, you know, Lord, I love you, thank you, thank you for salvation, mm-hmm. but I got it right here. But I want to live my own way, right? Yeah. And so again, that goes back to why did we come to Him? Like, mm-hmm. are, are we just getting that fire insurance? Yeah. Are we just getting the get out of get out of hell free card? I'm going back to my '90s references of how they used to scare us into <laughs> mm-hmm. to trust in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know, it's no no, He's the Christ, yeah, and mm-hmm. and you know, we go back to proverb: His ways are better than our ways. That's His right. thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But do you believe that? Do you believe it? So yeah. we would, uh, you know, right. in 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 our, uh, I guess, uh, denomination or tradition, we would believe that, uh, you know, once you're saved, you are you are saved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some uh, some would would say otherwise, say that that's something that you can lose mm-hmm. or. Um, and is this is I guess the question that's circling in my mind is that what we're talking about? Like, is this mm. the crux? Like for those that would say, yeah, you can lose your salvation. Um, is this what we're pointing to whenever, whenever they're they're discussing that? Does that make sense? So I'm yes. There was a period of time when I was following Jesus, when I was actively pursuing obedience and submissive to uh, to Him. But but then there's a season where I'm not. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, is that when those you know others who believe that would say, hey, yeah, yeah I've I've lost my salvation. Yeah, so uh, I'll jump in quickly. Um, 
I think the danger of when we implement man-made phrases as orthodoxy of our faith. So so we, we would say, once saved, always saved. Mm-hmm. I heard that growing up. Mm-hmm. That's the Baptist way, once right. saved, always saved. Right. Well, that's not a scripture, but I think there are scriptures that point to an understanding of that, particularly Romans 8 is, is probably that that section of scripture. And we'll get there probably around Christmas time, New Year's time. And, and we'll, we'll land there. And there, there's great comfort in that. But I remember one of my seminary professors, um, he, he, he posed it differently. Uh, and, and when he said it, I thought, I do not like what you just said to me. Um, he said, once saved, always saved isn't very biblical because that puts the onus of that on you. Mm. If you did this, then you will always have this. And for that, we've created a lot of false converts because we would say, if you've prayed this prayer, mm-hmm. if you've walked this aisle, if you've had an emotional experience, or even if you, when you were young, followed the Lord for a certain amount of time, then you are forever his. Mm-hmm. He reframed it to say it this way, if you are saved, you are always saved. And, and that may, may sound just like a nuance to you, but, but it's not... Once saved, always saved. It's if saved, always saved. And the how, how <laughs> this is going to sound very unbaptist of me. So let's let's hang on. But I'm going to give you some scripture well, references. We got more unbaptist to go <laughs> to get so. there. Okay. <laughs> if saved, always saved is 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 going to be proven over the course of your life. I do think we can go back to a moment where we say we were introduced to Christ. Mm-hmm. Maybe we, we affectionately fell in love with Christ. Maybe, maybe we decided, we chose, I'm going to answer, I'm going to heed that call and I'm going to go. But how do you know that you are going to be his? Well, it's, it's going to be proven over a lifetime. And you say, well, Josh, that doesn't sound very if saved, always saved, right? Well, th- think about the parable of the soils. Or, or maybe maybe even better, the, the, the parable of the planter, uh, the, the, the farmer, and then you had the, the bad guy come in and sow, sow mm-hmm. uh, the tares yeah. with the wheat. Right. And there'll be moments that that, that that seed begins to grow. And it is. It's alive, and it's growing, and it's starting to get big. But then if you're using parable of the souls illustration, over time, the sun comes up and it scorches it. Or over time, something comes and steals it away. But how do you know at the end? Because whatever that is bears fruit, right? But then you go to the wheat and the tares. Well, there's also an illustration that Jesus gives us that there are two things growing side by side. Mm-hmm. And they look similar, but they're not. Mm-hmm. And we, don't, we won't know until the very end. And, and this, is, this is the hard part about that. I think we'll know. If you're a believer, you know. You know where your affections lie. You know where your love is. But if you're looking at somebody else and you're looking at them, you say, well, you're growing. They're, I see green I see you next to other things that look like the right thing. Mm -hmm. But in the end of time, the wheat and the tear are separated. And so when we come to that, how do we we know that our salvation is secure? Well, over the course of time, we see the evidences of God's grace in our life who holds us. Now, this would be getting us into more of the Reformed background with the perseverance of the saints. Mm -hmm. That God whom he calls, he will also keep. I believe that's true. With all that I am, I believe who God calls, he will keep. That, that, is, that is the end of Romans 8. That is why we celebrate that great chapter. But I don't think it is wise to say that I am a Christian only because of what happened to me when I was six, seven, or eight. Mm-hmm. If you're now 40, 50, or 60, mm-hmm. and there have been no fruitful evidences along that path, don't yeah. stake your eternity on what you did when you were six, seven, and eight. Yeah. 
right. and you have a lifetime that, that doesn't prove that you've come to him because he's the king, mm-hmm. that you've served him because you love him and you believe in that he's the Christ, the son of the living God. Yeah. Hmm. That's good. That was which, a, that was which a long is really answer. that fellowship. I, I mean, it's that have you followed him right. throughout your life? Not, not did you make a decision That's or correct. say mm-hmm. a prayer or whatever, but have you yeah. truly followed him? A disciple learns and follows. So what happens to the person right. then? Let's go back a couple of questions. Have I seen it over my life following? Does that mean there's no season where I veer off or slow down and stop following? And the answer would be no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as, if I'm a true follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit in those That's moments right. brings me back and mm-hmm. pulls me back into mm-hmm. a posture of confession mm-hmm. rather than I'm numb and indifferent. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad you came back to that because earlier when we are talking about it, that to me is the difference. When the Spirit dwells in us, we are not going to be able to not follow Christ over time and enjoy uh, abundant life. I mean, we're, we're always going to feel that we are off track in that because the Spirit's going to be constantly drawing us back. Because there's the grace of conviction mm-hmm. that comes with, right. with that. Um, mm-hmm. And sharing with my son, my son's 14, and we have these faith conversations a good bit. And, you know, for him, there's a lot of conviction in his life for, for whatever reason. Um, and, and he feels dread over conviction. And I try mm-hmm. to explain to him, conviction is the greatest grace God can mm-hmm. give to you. Right. You should dread when you don't feel convicted mm-hmm. over something you know is sinful. Mm-hmm. Right. Because yeah. that, that's a dangerous place to be. So, you know, if, if you are, to use the old school language, if you're backslidden, if, if you are walking waywardly and you're fine with it, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a scary yeah. place it to be. be mm-hmm. There yeah. should be a holy discontent. Like there, mm-hmm. there should be something inside of you that is not okay with settling for less than what God has planned for you. That's right. Okay, so we've talked a lot about, so we've used the words, we've used the term following Jesus. We've used that a lot uh, in, in our conversation this morning. So I think as we sort of sort of move toward the end of our time, let's talk about, um, I mean, when we say following Jesus, I mean, what, what do we mean by that? Like, what, is, what does that look like um, for uh, disciples in our day and age, because obviously in the first century, uh, Romans, you know, uh, well, in the first century when Jesus was on this earth, so you had disciples who literally followed him, mm-hmm. you know, so following Jesus was, mm-hmm. it was a physical, I do what he does and go where he goes. And, yeah. and that's, uh, you know, it was a pretty, pretty much a no brainer. Um, but for us in this day, um, what does it look like to follow Jesus? It's a great question. Who's going to answer that? I think for me, not for me. I think Scripture tells us. Hey, good catch. You know, Jesus um, in the Great Commission. You know, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. So, to me, following Jesus means that I am learning from the Word, from the Master, um, what it means to obey. Obey what he already taught us to obey. And the way that in which I can do that is by submitting to the word empowered by the Holy Spirit. So to me, following says whatever Jesus said to do in his words and his actions and his deeds, I'm studying those things and living out my life in a way that would live out, you know, mm-hmm. what whatever Jesus instructed me to do in those situations. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's about a behavior. Sometimes it's about a motive. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of where I'd start. Mm-hmm. I got something better than that. 
I don't know if it's better. I think it, it's just color in, color in mm-hmm. the lines because I, I believe that's 100% right. Um, the, the scripture that I will always go to, it's why we use it a lot when we do our August Who Are We as the Church series and, and What Are We Called to Be and Do is that Acts 2 passage um, because I think it's the clearest picture that we have of what the church did in direct response to being called by Christ, mm-hmm. right? So if, 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 if that calling is leading to salvation and lordship salvation, leading to you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I am giving myself to you. I, you have bought me. The only right response is, is my life is yours. Mm-hmm. So what do they do from there? Well, they devoted themselves to four things, the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayers. And those things, I think they, they carry different weights. And it's not just, oh, did we check off the four today? Is, is that right? But in, in the path of we have loved God, we love his word, and we're with his people. And that cycle continues because the prayer brings us right back to the apostles' teaching, and then we fellowship, and then there's the breaking of bread, the, rem- the remembrance of what Christ has done in the Lord's Supper. Um, this going down a rabbit hole that we didn't really ask to go down um, this morning, but I think it's important. Um, a lot of early church, uh, our history of the early church, when, when they would remember the Lord, they would always take the Lord's Supper together. Now, we do it every time that the month has a fifth Sunday. Um, now there's a lot about our worship services. I wish we had the opportunity to change, like for instance, more than like 45 minutes to an hour, but the way that our, our structure looks and, and, you know, maybe we'll pray through that, get that at some point. But one of the biggest things the early church did was to take the Lord's supper every time they gathered, because it reminded them of the Lord's sacrifice and the covenant that they now live under. Hmm. So Mark, it kind of brings us back to the place where, you, you didn't do anything for that supper. Uh-huh. It's just the Lord and what he has done for you. Uh-huh. And the greatest reminder that we could ever do is every time they broke the bread or had the wine is they were reminded of the Lord's goodness and the Lord's faithfulness, not our goodness and uh-huh. faithfulness. And sometimes, you know, whether we intend it or not, you can leave a worship service, you can leave a, leave a Bible study or leave a get together and think, man, I'm doing great. I'm a pretty good Christian. I like what I'm doing. But that, that constant reminder of, no, this is the Lord. Um, and, mm-hmm. and because of that, that's how I'm going to live my life. Mm-hmm. I think it's, to your words, very mindful. Um, but in that mindfulness, there is an overflow or, or a result of right living that comes from it. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what I would say. Mm. You know, I, and this is always a little dangerous to kind of put human standards back into what he's calling us to. But I think of leading a family, leading kids and if I tell my kids to follow me, um, I'm not just necessarily saying go where I go, although that may be part of it, but I'm also saying do what I do, but I'm also saying do the principles behind what I do, because, you know, if I say do what I do, that could imply to them that, okay, I need to go to, I need to go to this college, I need to, you know, do this thing, I need to become a minister Mm -hmm. or whatever, that's not really the heart of it. The heart of it is the principles behind those things. And so I think when we think of following Christ, uh, because we're not there physically walking with him to, to literally go everywhere he goes, I do think we can ask the question, what are the types of situations that he went to? Who are the types of people that mm-hmm. he uh, encountered? How did he act when he was in those situations? And we get most of that from Scripture, obviously. And, and then I think also because the Spirit does indwell us, there are those moments where he's prompting us in that moment to say something or do something because that's what Christ would do by principle if he were in that situation. So one of the things that has been important 
and I'm not done with it yet. I'm still wrestling with it. I think I was introduced to a it's a book by a guy named Bill Thrall a few years ago, and he introduces the idea that when you pull back the motive of why we follow Jesus in the church, it it we can either do things as a motive of pleasing Jesus or trusting. And they sound like you'd want to do both, right? But his premise was, and again, I'm still, it's kind of a work in progress, but if that's the motive, then that means I have a value that follows that. And one of the values may be that if I have to please him is that I have to be cleaned up before I come to Jesus uh-huh. versus trusting him says I bring everything I have and we look at it together. And how we approach following is, it seems like a subtle difference over time for me I'm learning how to follow out of trust rather than pleasing him mm-hmm. because the pleasing always leads to a performance. So I got to like, um, be, be, I guess cleaned up, right. Mm-hmm. Versus Jesus, look at my sin, look at this with me mm-hmm. and I trust you with it mm-hmm. as I'm following you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's good. You just said with me. And I think that was the one thing I would insert into the whole picture of following. It's, mm-hmm. There's a very relational component, mm-hmm. an intimacy, an abiding in Him that that doesn't look like a disconnected. I'm trying to do all the things you used to do, or I'm mm-hmm. trying to figure out what the right thing is to do. Right, it's right. man, I'm walking with you and listening to you in a very intimate, abiding relationship. Yeah. I, and so I, I would say oh, that. That's good. And I would also mm-hmm. say I mean, the word that I like to use is the way. Like what? What? What, what what was the way that Jesus walked? What was the way he thought? What was mm-hmm. the way he lived? Right. It's more than just the mechanical actions. Mandalorian, this is the way. There you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, can I pull on a string so. something you just said and see if this makes sense? <laughs> Good start. Inside the church, if we grew up early on and uh, had some kind of experience that kind of began to shape us, but as adults, if we never respond in faith and trust, then all we're really left with is performance. Yeah. Versus if we learn early on as a disciple, as a Christian, to take steps of faith because we trust him, then that just deepens and deepens and deepens mm-hmm. versus trying to like artificially just do it because I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm submitting in a yes. way. But if I've experienced faithful steps and I see what he does, mm-hmm. it's like Peter on, out of the boat, right? He he has a who, new level of trust for Jesus because he knows what it feels like to just take a step and be rescued. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way we get there and live there is, is discipleship. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it, it's oversimplifying. But I think if you you're not in a discipling relationship, somebody discipling you, and you discipling somebody else, or with the people of God, then your tendency is always going to be you as the standard, mm-hmm. because it's all you got. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to judge yourself against yesterday, and and judge yourself against what you hope for tomorrow. And neither of those two are going to get you to the place mm-hmm. that yeah. the scriptures call us. That's, right. mm-hmm. That's why we're created to do life together. Mm-hmm. That's good. Good discussion today, guys. I mean, like we are going to get in trouble. I know we can't do it. But are we going we, we didn't hit on the whole called piece, and I've got people who gave me one assignment. Well, and so <laughs> there's nothing we can do about it. Do you have? No. To, you got about are you four trying to, minutes. Are you trying Mark. to perform for them, or were you like? <laughs> hey, <laughs> I am trying to please my peers. <laughs> <laughs> but so give us your synopsis in one minute. All right, I, I, and don't I'll, make it a run on sentence like my sentence. I'll give you the <laughs> question of, um, you were clear. Everyone is called, right? Because right. of John three sixteen. Yes, and is so. There's a there's a question about. Later in Romans in eight, we're going to see where there are some who are called, chosen, mm-hmm. 
predestined, mm-hmm. all those Ephesians big words. Gives yes. you the same tension. Yep. So we're going to use all those words. Is there anything that you can do to give us clarity in one long sentence so he that we don't turn that back on I you? I saw that. He was going to answer it. Now I got hey, it. He just I, wanted to ask a question. They talked to me yesterday. They know my foolishness. They need to hear it from my <laughs> pastor. I sounded like I was running all over the map, both sides. All right, be clear in your question. Yes. What are you asking? How do you just how do you reconcile um, we're all chosen and Romans eight thirty? Yes, you so, may read it. Yep, read it. But while you're getting to it, um, I got it. I'm going to tell you up front. There's a mystery. Yes, and I'm okay with that. Some people aren't. That's what I said. There's a mystery. <laughs> but go ahead. What's eight thirty seven? Me and Josh had the same thing. That makes me feel good about myself. <laughs> I have performed today. <laughs> <laughs> Romans eight thirty. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So how does everybody being called fit in that? Yep. So I believe that the call, it's God's will that no man should perish. Mm-hmm. We yep. have that from Scripture. We have that for God so loved the world mm-hmm. that he gave his one and only son, that whoever from yep. that world believe in him would not perish but have eternal life, right? So whenever we approach it from the gospel narrative, we see that God loves the world, doesn't want the world to perish, and he has, he has given an extension to the world that the world might be saved in Christ Jesus, his son, Okay. There's a mystery of who is the called. Like, we don't know. Right. And that's, that's I think, really important for us because a lot of times um, the super reformed guys, they're, they're jokingly re, uh, referred to as the chosen frozen mm. uh, or the frozen chosen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's just this idea, well, I mean, I don't know who's going to be saved, so I'm just going to wait back and see where it is. Well, I think there's a beautiful call in our life because we, we don't know who is going to respond to the gospel, but we do know somebody's going to respond to the gospel. Mm-hmm. Some, somebody is ready. Some, God has put it on their heart to be ready on this day to respond to the gospel. But as scripture is clear, how will they know if we don't tell them? That's right. How, how will they respond if we don't offer the call? Because I, I believe that that's what we get to do as ambassadors for Christ is we get to stand in his stead, offer the call on his behalf we're not saving them, right? but we are the heralds of the good news of the gospel. And if they respond, they're not responding to us. They're not responding to our intellect or our might. They're responding to the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And hopefully they're coming to him to get him, not just to things that come. So again, we didn't ask for it. We have 30 seconds left. We have to be really careful that when we are sharing the gospel, we're not trying to bait and switch in the most religious sense. Well, do you really want to go to hell? No, you don't want to go to hell. Trust Jesus. Like, like we are setting it up for failure. That's right. Right? We, we want them to see the beauty of Christ and to come to Christ to get Christ, not mm. to come mm. to get the things that mm. Christ offers. Mm. And so even as we are heralds of the gospel, we need to be clear on what is the gospel. That's right. We need to be clear on what our invitation is and how we are to disciple them in the process. That's mm. good. Mm. That is really good. All right. There you go. That's our first step. Right, we Mark. will revisit this all, we'll the way through through all the way through. Right. All the way through. That's it. our first jump in right and there. I just got to say, somewhere along the way, Mark, you're, you you woke up like your caffeine kicked in. Kicked so in. you've uh, just trying to take care of my people. Man. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this coming week, uh, we continue on in Romans chapter one, covering the next few verses, eight through seventeen. I think is is where we're headed this this next week. And so, um, looking forward to that. Josh, you're bringing that message, and so. Um, it's going to be great. Going to be a good day. And so, guys, as always, great conversation. Good to hang out with you. Love, Love you guys. Yes. This has been a production of Broadmoor Baptist Church. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with others and don't forget to subscribe. 
To help us spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe as well. They can find us wherever they prefer to get their podcasts. And if you'd like more information about Broadmoor, please visit our website at broadmoor.org or connect with us on your favorite social media platform where we're listed as at mybroadmoor. Thanks for listening.